everybody. Welcome to the Bob's Burgers After Show here on AfterBuzz TV. Tonight we are covering Season 6, Episode 11, House of a Thousand Bounces, and Episode 12, Stand By Gene. Stand by. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, AfterBuzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. <laughs> I did that pointing stay tuned thing on the Star Wars Rebels after show the other night and uh, <laughs> Megan forgot that the microphones were on so there was there was a little bit of uh, additional uh, giggling and <laughs> conversation before uh, getting into a uh, discussion of the episode there. Hey everybody how's it going? Here we are talking about Bob's Burgers on After Buzz TV. If you guys have not done so already please be sure to go on over to iTunes subscribe to us there, leave us reviews we'd love to know what you think. Conversely if you are listening on iTunes. Remember, you can always tune in live at 10 p.m. or sometimes 9 p.m. if SNL's not on, on Sunday nights, and watch us on YouTube so you can actually like see our beautiful faces as well as hearing our beautiful voices talk about how much we enjoy Bob's Burgers. And for those of you who are Twitter users, we are also going to follow along with that hashtag ABTVBobsB because Bob's Burgers would be kind of a long hashtag. So if you want to talk to us uh, you know, during the show, during the week, tweet at us doing that. And if you want to tweet at me directly, you can find me on Twitter at Emma Fife, which is my name. And on the panel with me tonight is the lovely Elena Jordan. Hey guys, I'm Elena Jordan. You can find me on Twitter at Elena Jordan and on Instagram at that Elena Jordan girl. Which the first one is her name and the second one is like a little variation on it, which works out just great. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, two episodes to cover tonight. Both fabulous, in my opinion. As always. Yeah. When is this show not phenomenal? You know, I think what it is, and, and this is something that, you know, I, that I know we brought up on the show time and time again, is that what makes this show so freaking funny is how relatable it is. And the more I watch it, the more I'm convinced that everyone who wrote it grew up in the Northeast because I feel like I lived both of these exact scenarios. I mean, not exactly. Like, I was not on a quest for a two-butted goat, but I definitely went on similar journeys in my childhood. That one felt very much like the South, so yeah, I feel like it's just right? kind of relatable for everyone. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, my youth, I could see going out looking for a two-butted goat. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so starting uh, with episode 11, which was House of a Thousand Bounces, basically the general premise of this episode was that it was regular-sized Rudy's birthday, and they were having it in a park, like you do. And, of course, the centerpiece of any kid's birthday party is a bounce house. Yeah, which my parents actually bought a bounce house. They bought a bounce house? They bought a bounce house wow. and didn't tell me. Oh. This was this was when their children were grown. That's the best thing. Was I was in college and I came back and I was like my sister having a party? Like, what's going on? Why is there a bounce house? And my mom, just true Linda style, was like, I bought it. We have one now. She decided just to cause... wait until you were adults, though? Yeah. Huh. And then it was going to be a business, but it just became her, like, letting the church use it. Oh. Well, that was, that's kind <laughs> of her to share. Yeah, I sometimes, like, wonder, because I, my most vivid memories of a bounce house as a kid were there was one, like, in a play place in the Roy Rogers, I want to say, they had like a bounce house and a ball pit. And then other than that, it was like they would have them at like the St. Mary's Carnival and yeah. the, you know, the Leukemia Walk fundraiser picnic party. 
For me, it's just my front yard. <laughs> uh, I feel that's a that's a life achievement unto itself. It, I feel pretty accomplished. Yeah. I, I didn't know it was on my bucket list until we got one. And I was like, oh, I feel fulfilled. Yes. Uh, <laughs> one thing I really enjoyed about this episode was, of course, we got to see the return of Sasha, uh, who we last saw uh, drag racing, uh, like little roadster cars with Tina, uh, where they were trying to take down his big rival. I, I just, I love that he played that, like, double agent in this episode. Because basically what it came down to was, you know, the the Belcher kids show up to the park expecting to get into the bounce house for Rudy's birthday party, and they come to find out that that bounce house is not for Rudy. It's for this other girl, Dahlia, who is Sasha's little cousin. Now let's talk a little about Miss Dahlia. She's the worst. Yeah. She's the worst of the children. She is. She's just, I mean, it's one of those things where the the Belcher family is not, you know, wealthy by any means. But they're kind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're wealthy in personality. Absolutely. They have a lot going on. Dahlia's just a little turd nugget. Like, yeah. she just, ugh. Just, oh, last time I checked, this was my party. Let's see. Oh, the cake? Yeah, that says Dahlia. And it's just like, shut up, little kid. Yeah. I wanted to bounce her into the lake as well. I'm with the ba- I'm with the Belchers 100%. Yeah. I mean, I see why Sasha turned on her. Oh, 100%. Also, Sasha, I think, just wanted something to do. That's true. No, he's definitely a bored rich kid. No, I, I liked uh, Louise's reaction to uh, seeing them and being like, is this some rich kid thing where you throw money at ducks? <laughs> I loved the birthday present that they got for Rudy. That oh, he got I know. his own inhaler holster that's supposed to be for pepper spray, yep. but they realized it could hold any spray. <laughs> Which really sweet. It was actually like weirdly super thoughtful. It was a really thoughtful, sweet gift until the twins were like, Our birthdays are the same and we also like holsters. And, and it's like, like what? what? <laughs> oh, Andy and Ollie. They're, I love them. Yeah, they're great. They're great. Uh, yeah, but the thing is, is that, like, Rudy is not really phased by the fact. So, basically, there was only one bounce house available. It wasn't that there was only one bounce house available. It's that the company, the rental company that was delivering this bounce house. See, Elena, this could have all been solved if it only could have all been if, solved by your mom. <laughs> if my mom, if they just called up my mom, she would have sent Merlin's moon jump right on over. <laughs> um, yeah, so, basically, they had both ordered bounce houses, but... Because it was to the same park on the same day, the rental company was like, ah, this must be a double booking by accident. And they were incorrect. You would think that they would check that, though. Uh, If it was two different names and two different orders. Yeah. Yeah. Bounce house. Yeah. It's a busy day for bounce houses that day, too. You would think that they had... I mean, according to Louise, like, the bounce house is the centerpiece of any birthday party, so... That's true. The kids all seemed very heartbroken upon learning that there were no bounce houses right. and just spoon puppetry. <laughs> Except for Rudy, who really did not care about the bounce house. And it was like, Louise was trying to make him feel terrible, being like, it's your birthday, aren't you heartbroken? You should have whatever you want. And like, he didn't really want the bounce house. No. But Louise has a tendency to steamroll, like, with the she best does. of intentions. Yes. But... She, yeah, she came up with quite an intricate plan to save Rudy's birthday that really could have just been saved if she had shushed made her mouth and made spoon a spoon. <laughs> made a spoon, Louise. Yes. No, I love the reaction to the spoon puppets, too, where they're like, oh, gosh, I hope it doesn't come to that. 
snuck. We don't the need to sing that The more they were talking loud. about it, the more I was like, this actually sounds pretty fun. I could, I could get down I know, some I could get behind some spoon puppets. Absolutely. <laughs> I always liked doing crafts at birthday yeah. parties as a kid. I'm all about it. Yeah, I think I kind of liked that more than the, like, athletic activities in some ways, you know? But I liked that their birthday activities were pretty much summer camp. Like, I was yeah, like... It's true. Very true. Very true Very indeed. camp-like activities yes. all, all across the board. Yes. Uh, camp with cake, camp, which is the best kind of camp. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so they plan basically this this elaborate uh, bounce house heist, uh, which Sasha agrees to aid them in. Uh, and basically, we find out that Sasha is, like, working for his aunt, and there's a really fun encounter between Rudy's dad and Dahlia's mom where they're talking about the bounce house and he basically goes over and is like oh can we uh, can you know can we all uh, share the bounce house mm, no and he's like okay can we uh, can we buy some uh, some some water off you oh no can we buy some juice off of you no do you have any water and she just like takes out a bottle of water and drinks out of it mm, no well that was the best was how sweet Rudy was I know. Where he was like it's okay dad we have sunshine and juice and he's like we don't have any juice Aww. <laughs> Oh, it's okay, Dad. we have water. We ran out of water. <laughs> Do they have any snacks at this party? <laughs> they have cake. Yeah. Well, they had cake. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, but we come to find out that uh, Rudy's dad and Dahlia's mom are both divorced. So Sasha and Louise go in to create this distraction, basically, so the adults won't notice what's going on when this heist takes place. So his they, lovely assistant. Yes. Misdirection. Yep. Yep. Uh, so I they love puns. They go to uh, basically set these two adults up with one another. And uh, and Louise's approach is like, oh, hey, look, that's a divorced mom. She's looking at you. She's coming over here. It's going to be great. And But I loved that Sasha was like, oh, wasn't your New Year's resolution to be less picky? <laughs> Yeah, Sasha, my favorite was, he may not be a sugar daddy, but he's a daddy sugar. Yep. <laughs> like, oh, God, man. <laughs> so good. Uh, yeah, it was great. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the two, the two like, divorced parents kind of start having a little chit-chat. Uh, and then the kids uh, go on this operation heist, where basically they decide that the only way to ensure that they can successfully steal this bounce house to the point that uh, that uh, Dahlia and friends are not going to want it is if they put it in the middle of the lake, or the it's like a it's like a street. It's not really like a lake. Or it's a, a three foot lake. Yeah, but two of the feet are duck. Poop. Yeah, or so so Tina's heard. <laughs> um, so they all go in, and they do successfully manage to uh, steal this bounce house, and they. What they don't take the generator with them though because that no they duct tape it that's with right stolen duct tape that's that they right they take from, from the, the ranger station ranger that's right with his dead raccoon bodies in the back yep mm. classy so yeah. classy uh, yeah so they they do they they duct tape it up and then sort of float it in the river uh, and Jean, but the best is Gene stealing the cake. <laughs> Man, when he leapt, I was like, no, he's going to go straight into the water with all that cake. Yeah. And then just perfect save. Yep. And now I have a new bucket list item that I didn't know, which is take the moon bounce, eat cake while bouncing on a lake. I know. It looked really fun. It did. I have to say it looked really, really fun. And everyone was having a great time. And Rudy was like, okay. <laughs> didn't really care that much. 
Dahlia attacks from sea. I know. I know. That was really funny. The the like <laughs> sea battle that, uh, that we didn't see it coming. Nope. Nope. Uh, sure uh, didn't. Yep. Yep. <laughs> anyway. Yes, Dahlia attacks in a rowboat, uh, like you do. Yeah. Uh, with, <laughs> with Sasha rowing her boat, and they start ramming into the side of the bounce house. But the kids very intelligently try to bounce the house away by all jumping on one side, which was really smart. It was it was an intelligent way to go, and I think they might have succeeded. Had they not found the weakness, the weak spot, yep. it was just the Death Star moment where yep. you're like, oh, 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 and it's done. Yep. But Dahlia, her plan kind of backfires on her in a way, though, because she, you know, they basically, like, attack the bounce house, and she targets the weak spot, and they bust it open, and that makes it deflate. <laughs> now there's just a gross deflated duck poop cover. Yeah, they're like, here you go, you can have it back Bounce now. House. She's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, she didn't quite think that one all the way through. Nah, apparently not. It's also covered in cake. I feel like Dahlia is going to have to pay quite a fee when they return I this know, bounce house. I uh, to clean that bounce house off. Yeah. But apparently this was like a much, a, a, a more major crime than the children necessarily anticipated because when they get back to the shore, I did like Rudy's reaction when they're like, oh no, we gotta abandon ship, we all just gotta jump in the water, and he's like no, I'm at my dad's this weekend he doesn't have a dryer <laughs> oh, we got a lot of insight into Rudy's oh, life, a little this, regular uh, size Rudy oh, yeah, I enjoyed his participation actually in both of these episodes He's just, I love that they have all these awesome recurring secondary mm -hmm. characters because we get a lot that is just focused in on the family, but I like having episodes that it kind of branches out and we get a bunch of little yeah. one-liners from a variety of different characters. Yeah, absolutely. Especially yeah. the kids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, That both of these episodes were definitely focused on, like, the other, like, the kids, the, the Belcher kids interacting with the other kids that live in the town. Yeah. Uh, and and getting into all kinds of uh, adventures and hijinks, et cetera, with them, but uh, but yeah, so they they abandon ship and they end up on the shore, and then the ranger basically arrests all of them, and he's like, "You're going to jail." He's like, "Well, ranger jail," which is basically them sitting on the couch behind a bunch of safety cones. Yeah, uh, and. Uh, Louise is, you know, trying to talk to Rudy about how he's enjoying his birthday party, and he basically is like, this is the worst birthday ever! I didn't want a bounce house! All I wanted was to do a spoon puppet show! Because I wrote a script! It's a comedy drama with two strong female leads. And I was proud of it. And I was just thinking, you should be proud of it. That sounds like a good script, I know, I know, Rudy. I know. So specific, too. <laughs> um, and, uh, and this is another one of those episodes where you see the, like, very loving and kind of empathetic side of Louise that she doesn't really show all that often. But when she realizes that she's kind of strong-armed Rudy into the birthday party that she would have wanted if it were her birthday... She tries to make amends for it. She basically, like, grabs just the ranger's box of stuff... And starts handing it out to people, being like, these are your puppets. These are all, you can play these parts. 
That's I just love that this show has that element where a lot of time the message is just admitting that they were wrong mm-hmm. and just moving forward yeah. and trying to fix the scenario any way they can, whether it's Rudy's birthday or if it's Bob and Linda that are back trying to figure out Bob's fear of birds. Oh, man. Yeah, the bee storyline in both of these episodes was great. Because, again, you know, as I mentioned, like, both of the episodes, it was about the kids, like, out on their own with their friends going on adventures, and it was about Bob and Linda being alone at the restaurant, which is always, well, <laughs> alone with Teddy. <laughs> alone is relative when uh, when you're at the restaurant. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so Bob and Linda in this episode, sort of the B storyline, is they they're a pigeon winds up inside the restaurant, and we learn that Bob, as many people are, is terrified of birds, specifically pigeons. Because he was traumatized as a child? He was traumatized as a child from his memories of these dirty sky rats that were actually tippy hedron in right, the, the birds. birds. Yeah, like he didn't actually, he personally was never actually terrorized by a pigeon. That's what I feel like most of my friends were afraid of birds. Yeah. Is I have Teddy's reaction where I'm like, did a bird wrong you? Like, yeah. what What scenario has this oh, bird made? Like, they're yeah. docile creatures. Yeah. No, I had a friend uh, in, God, my whole life growing up, like elementary school, middle school, high school, who was just terrified of birds. And I have no idea why. Uh, we I had a neighbor who had cockatiels that would just fly around their house. Like they they I mean they had cages, they never were in them, but there were just birds flying around their house all the time. Did they not poop on everything? Oh yeah, they did. It was gross. Oh. Yeah, if you have birds, guys, keep them in cages. Uh, I mean, I, I, maybe you have figured out a solution and trained your birds to use a litter box or something like that, but yeah, it was it was not the cleanliest of scenarios. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, they were nice birds though. <laughs> They were pretty nice. Well, one of them was not very nice, but the other one, she was real nice. You're really not selling birds. <laughs> Listen, guys, story. <laughs> I gotta say, you're not winning me but with I'm this bird saying, story. But I'm just saying, like, I don't like. I, as someone who is not afraid of birds, like, I don't understand the bird terror. Though when I was in New York, a pigeon did fly almost directly into my face one time. So I sort, of, <laughs> I sort of get where Bob's bird terror comes from, except that I had an actual experience with birds, and he saw the birds once. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I do love that he have he has his very vivid memory, and he's like, "No, this is my childhood." Until they show him the scene, he's like, "Nope, nope, yep. you're right." That was <laughs> yeah. They were like, "You're not Tippy Hedren in the birds." <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, he's like, "Oh my God, I'm Tippy <clears throat> Hedren." Yeah. Oh, you wish. Yeah, because uh, basically, because because Teddy and Linda managed to like get the pigeon. And they basically try to give Bob, like, extinction therapy, where they, like, bring the pigeon to him to be like, look, it's so nice. You should pet it. He loves you. Because that wasn't very easy. Like, they it was literally so, caught the yeah. pigeon by being like, oh, okay, now I have it. I have to say, I kind of, for the whole episode, thought that, like, the pigeon was gonna, like, turn on Bob and, like, confirm his fear of birds, but it really didn't. No. I feel like the whole episode was just like, guys, let's be cool with pigeons. Like, they're <laughs> yeah. they're really not hurting anyone. They eat our old french fries. It's Leave fine. them be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but I do love that Teddy <clears throat> stared at it for 20 minutes and was like, I gotta ask, I've been staring at this thing for 20 minutes. Is that a real pigeon? <laughs> like, you didn't say anything for 20 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> He just thought it was like a nice decoration above the TV. 
because he got really drunk in the morning. That's right. That's right. Because do you Long know that, that Bloody Marys have uh, vodka in them? <laughs> yes. Oh. That's not news to anyone but you, Teddy. Uh, I do have to say, in true Teddy fashion, I loved the burger of the day mm. in this one. The ring around the collared burger. Yeah. I thought that was pretty clever. Mm -hmm. And fitting, since there was also reference to no laundry washing machine. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, full circle. Yep. Yep. A story and B story. Yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> but the, they end up bringing the bird down to the basement to try to get Bob to love it. Uh, and it like, you know, it breaks, it, it gets away and, you know, bird in a confined space. It's not the happiest of creatures. They're no. meant to fly free. Uh, and so he ends up getting into like the food storage and breaking a bottle of olive oil and ending up covered <laughs> in olive oil. The best line ever, <clears throat> which is, that was a very expensive bottle of olive oil. That was, that was very mean of you. <laughs> <laughs> And then Linda said, and the fact that Linda and Teddy are like, why'd you, why'd you cover in olive oil? It's like, no, it got itself into the olive oil. And he, just all of Linda's lines are so perfectly delivered. It's yeah. just, because in her mind, it makes sense. Where he's like, don't mm -hmm. eat the, the pigeon. He's like, I'm not going to eat the pigeon. Yeah, exactly. Then why'd you cover it in olive oil? It's like, I did I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. And then when he's like, so oh, good. we're just going to, you know, release it back out into the wild. And they're like, we can't just leave it in the wild covered in olive oil. Why did you put crumbs on it? And you're just a <laughs> passing cat. We'll just eat it. It's just a meal for it. A Parmesan pigeon. That's right. Yeah, that was funny. Uh, yes. So then, uh, and, and then that's when we get the whole story about how Bob is confusing his own life with the plot of the birds, uh, and uh, and and eventually they they kind of you know are trying to bring it to a shelter. He's like, "Well, bring it to a shelter or whatever you do with pigeons that are covered in olive oil." Uh, and they find that there is like a lady who specializes in like bathing birds. <laughs> But they're like 50 miles away and they won't come pick up the bird. Yeah, that's too much. <clears throat> like, I, how do you become the I wash dirty pigeons lady? I like, don't that? No. This is a character I want to meet later and I want her to be friends with Gail. Oh, yeah. I just feel like that would be a really good full circle. She's I agree. like, have you met my friend? She bathes old pigeons. Mm -hmm. She's known for it. Yep, I totally, <laughs> totally agree. Uh, and so they decide that they're going to, you know, they're going to bathe the pigeon um, themselves. So Linda prepares this bath in the kitchen sink <laughs> and goes into the bathroom to find that Bob is in the bath with the pigeon. Which I also love because that just reminded me of my family so much because I feel like that's something my dad would do because my dad just loves all these mm -hmm. little creatures and everything and I could just 100%. He does that with my dogs to give them a bath. As oh, he's he like, takes a bath I have with to take a bath mm -hmm. with them or mm -hmm. they'll get scared. And I'm like, no, they don't. No, they're fine. They're dogs. They're fine. <laughs> it's going to be fine. Uh, and so then Bob uh, and basically comes to the conclusion that like, oh, no, I'm over my pigeon fear now and also this is really how the birds should have ended it's like just tippy headrin in a bath with a bunch of birds yeah okay <laughs> this is why bob is not, not a filmmaker a, he is not alfred hitchcock as yeah. a matter of fact 
the extent of his creativity is the burger of the day. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just probably for the best. Yes, I would agree. (laughs) Uh, Anything else you want to touch on in uh, this episode before we uh, soldier along to uh, the the two-butted goat? (laughs) I loved that the opening, the building to the right of Mm -hmm. them for Mm -hmm. this one was Granny Granny Pack's luggage for seniors. Aww. That's a good I one. Liked it. it was a really good one. I like it. I, I like it a the lot. Puns. It was yep. just a good one. It was a good one. <laughs> uh, so moving on to episode twelve, uh, "Stand by Gene." I House of a Thousand Bounces. I was like, okay, I get it. It's probably going to be like about a bounce house. I did not know what "Stand by Gene" was going to be about, but it all made sense <laughs> once. Yeah, I knew it was going to be a "Stand <clears throat> by Me" some right, of sort course, of journey, of course, yeah. but. I knew that it wasn't going to be anything quite as intense as the actual Stand By Me plot. Should have known it would be something like a two-butted goat, but that's not where my brain went. Nope. Yep. I was quite surprised. Uh, So basically, it's the kids' day off, and they're bored, and so they decide to go out, and they're going down to the wharf to, you know, go check stuff out. And basically, on their way there, like under a bridge, they hear some teenagers talking about the two-butted goat that's out by the cornfield on Route 6. Which nobody knows where Route 6 is, as we find out later in the episode. (laughs) I think it was Jocelyn who's like, oh yeah, I don't know where any roads are. I don't know any of the roads. And I was like, if I could have that on a bumper sticker, Jocelyn, like, I am right there with you. I can draw you a detailed map of Westeros. You ask me where the 405 is, and I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) Ask ways. Uh, Yeah, so uh, Gene decides that what he really, really wants to do is go on this adventure to find this two-butted goat, Louise just wants to go on the the zipper. I mean, it was, it's, uh, the zipper, if any of you guys have ever been to those pop-up carnivals, you know what I'm talking about. And this is basically the same thing, but with planes. Like, the the shape of the car is a plane, but it's the same kind of cage car. And uh, so they all go to queue for this, (laughs) and they find that everyone is there. Uh, They run into uh, Jimmy Jr. and Zeke. And Tammy and Jocelyn and Tina's like, oh, I guess I missed the invite to the eighth graders. I'll go to the wharf. Okay. And then uh, Jimmy Jr.'s like, oh, no, we didn't come here together. It was just supposed to be me and Zeke. But then these two started following us. And Tammy's like, "Uh, whatever, no. And I liked that Jocelyn was like, definitely. Where are you guys going next? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Daryl also shows up, and it turns out regular size Rudy has been in this queue for hours, and everybody just keeps cutting him in line. Yeah, that was just kind of the perfect sum up of all of their I relationships. Know. Was Tammy and Jocelyn are following Jimmy <clears throat> Jr. and Zeke? Daryl is following Tammy and Jocelyn. Jocelyn, yeah. And Rudy just has He's... been standing there by himself, way too polite to ever get on the actual ride. I know, yep. Uh, Meanwhile, on their way to the ride, though, this is an important plot point for Tina, anyway, the kids all get fortunes. They basically get, like, the candies with the fortunes in them. Uh, And Jean's and Louise's are both really funny. They're jokes, basically. And Tina gets one from the old batch of chocolate that's, like, serious. And it's basically like, your true love awaits you at the end of a journey. And so her whole episode is her being like, I'm going on this journey and I'm going to find my true love. Yeah, because she just had old candy. That's the worst, too, is that the candy isn't even good. I know, I know, I know. I do love that the candy store is candy can do. Yep. 
Yeah. I'm like, God, everything about this show is awesome. Yeah, it's so great. And I like, too, <laughs> the, I, I loved Tina's reaction, too, when Jean was like, I want to go see the two-butted goat. And she's like, hmm, please, when they call me when they invent a two-butted guy. I mean, don't call me. You live with me, but just tell me. <laughs> <laughs> two-butted boy. That's what she said. Two-butted boy. Typical Tina. Uh, that's Tina's dream. That would just be called Tina's dream. Would Seriously, be the whole episode. so many butts. So many Multiple butts. butts on one boy. <laughs> <laughs> she would be very, very happy. Uh, and uh, and basically, so, you know, they're all standing in the queue. They've kind of congregated with all the other kids in town, and they're chatting about this two-butted goat possibility. And it basically boils down to Louise is totally against it. Everyone else is like, nah, it probably doesn't exist. And Jean's like, would you rather have a lifetime of disappointment or an after uh, wait a lifetime, a lifetime of, regret of regret or an afternoon of mild disappointment i was like that's fair that's a good life philosophy it i really think it really is Jean. yeah Cause you never know what you miss until you're standing in the pen of a two-butted goat yep or one-butted goat, depending. Depending, yeah, On exactly. how your journey ends. On how your journey ends. Uh, which there was quite the journey to uh, to get to this goat. Uh, again, they all decide that, okay, yes, we're going to go do this. And we learn that nobody actually knows how to get anywhere. So they go to the gas station to get snacks and pee and get a map. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they start on this journey. Now, I... So... As they're going on this journey, basically they start encountering all of these natural obstacles. I went on a journey like this. I didn't have an end goal, really, though, on this journey. Like, at least they had a purpose. I just was going for a walk with my cousin in a marsh. Uh, and we got it in our heads that if we kept walking through the marsh, we would end up at our grandmother's cottage because our grandmother's cottage was on because the marsh. Because your life is a fairy tale. Yeah, because my grandmother's cottage was on the marsh. <laughs> uh, but it turns out that uh, there were actually two marshes on either end of the beach. Yeah, we were not in the right one. Oh. But it was very, but I felt like it was very similar to this journey where it's like we were walking and going back and it was low tide so we could get pretty far back in but we encountered an issue where the water got too deep, so we couldn't walk through the little bits of water we had to to get to the sand parts of the marsh where we could actually walk. But when we were there, there was a guy, and he was like, yeah, sometimes, though, there's, like, these little, like, underwater sort of sandbar bridges that you can walk across, and it's shallow enough, but I can't find one. Oh, we found one. And you so Van halen it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we just kept going deeper and deeper, and it just reminded me of, like, it was it was very reminiscent, I think, of this journey that they were going on, where they also kept encountering, like, issues. It's like, okay, they managed to make it out there, and then they realize, oh, no, there's an electric fence. What are we going to do to get around this? So, I don't Z know. Just zaps himself. Oh, my God, that was so funny. But I love Tina's kind of journey through yes, this where yes, yes, each yes. boy who starts to prove himself she's mm -hmm. like maybe this is it maybe this is the one mm -hmm. she's like no he's he's not really that smart yeah yep exactly <laughs> yep, yep that's basically what it boiled down to with all of them was and eh, he's not that's what smart. i feel like all of my relationships mm -hmm. boil down mm -hmm. to too is i'm like oh, no. yeah we're not that brave <laughs> Jimmy, they were each kind of their own, like, Harry Potter house, too. Mm -hmm. He's, like, very intelligent, very Ravenclaw. And mm -hmm. it was like, no, not really. Yeah, little little regular-sized Rudy. <laughs> and I love that she was like... Hufflepuff. I know, I love that she was like, oh, and the age difference won't even matter in 20 years. <laughs> so 
so good. Yeah. Tina was just crushed. <laughs> this whole episode was just awesome. And I love when she's running through and she's like, I have to see what destiny awaits me at the mm-hmm. end of this journey. Mm-hmm. And Zeke's like, calm down, Robert Frost. Because like, yes. the whole thing just felt very two roads diverged from yeah. the beginning. Yep, totally. Even the house that was next to them, the bu- the building for this one was, I think, therefore I jam. Oh, yeah. Profound Pre- preservatives. Yeah. And then it was just all very enlightened throughout, the, as enlightened as Bob's Burgers gets. Right, right. But it was very just deep <laughs> philosophical references. I loved well, it. Well, certainly from Tina's point of view. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and from Gene's too. You know, he was, he had absolute faith that this two butted goat existed. And the whole time, Louise wanted to prove him wrong and laugh in his face, basically. And then when they managed to get there after walking through poison ivy, or just Gene carries everyone through the poison ivy because they run out of rocks to jump on, <laughs> uh, he ends up. Like, being disappointed because we see a goat and that goat only has one butt. And Louise is like, I, you know, this whole time I wanted to rub it in his face that he was wrong, but now I'm really sad that he is. Which was really sweet, too. Yep. yep. Uh, but it turns out he was not wrong. Oh, no. That two-butted goat was just waiting to fart in harmony. Oh, or man. Fartney. Oh, jeez. Yep. <laughs> yep. And, uh, yeah, and then the farmer shows up and is like, get off my lawn, kids! That was the best. Where he's like, that's just a bit I do, you know, mean old farmer. <laughs> it's like, what? Yep, yep. I love it. Yep. He's like, it's fine. You can totally come pet. What was the goat's name? Double butt. Double butt. That's right. Double oh, butt. Double DB. butt. <clears throat> double butt. Um, but a, another sort of little plot line that was going on here as well was Jimmy Jr. really wanting to just spend the day alone with Zeke. Yeah, he wanted to have his bro out day. <laughs> and Gene, unwittingly... I know! ...kind of took the stage. Yep. And became best bros with I know, Zeke. Zeke and Gene Zeke and became... Uh, they were. They were like... Jimmy Jr. is David Lee Roth in it, and mm-hmm. they're having to Hagar it together. Yep. And he's just... Yep. He's he's feeling the a little bit of the jealousy. He's feeling a little green, and it's not just the poison ivy. Yeah, no. Nope. <laughs> not at all. But I love that Tammy and Jocelyn are, like, trying to encourage him to, like, <laughs> rekindle his bromance with Zeke. Yeah. I, this was also just a really good way, since they had so many characters, <laughs> and then for the conclusion of it, having where it just kind of dropped off where, mm. when they get to the field... Half of them are like, yeah, we're going to bounce. Yeah, with the poison ivy. Yeah. 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 And so it just, it was a really well-scripted, well-written way to then have conclusion at the end without having an abundance of the characters all there. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Where you got to, like, have the focus on kind of the characters who the episode was a little bit more about. Yeah, and then when they've kind of served their purpose, like Jocelyn and Tammy, mm-hmm. then they're gone, and we just mm-hmm. get the little echoes of them over the shoulder, like right, right. You should do something, right? Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and Daryl was basically just there to interpret a map. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much, and to be hilarious yeah. because Aziz Ansari is I know, hilarious. It's great. Yeah, I love. I loved when they were reading the map, and he's like, "It's a fire road. That's what the dots mean." And they're like. It might be it also might be a shortcut. And Jocelyn was like, "I'm not going anywhere that's on fire." <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and they they're like, "Oh, okay, so we're gonna take this road because it might be a shortcut." And he's like, "But those are the dots. We don't know what's in between those dots." 
And we find out it's all kinds of peril. Yeah. But you should never try to... I mean, it's straight up two roads diverge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Robert Frost. Mm-hmm. Perfect reference. Yep. They took the one less traveled, and it was less traveled because... <laughs> it was covered in poison. Very difficult to traverse. <laughs> I can only... I just kept thinking about poor... Uh, I, I Part of me was like, it's not going to turn out to be poison ivy, but it absolutely was. Oh, yeah, definitely. If you think something's poison ivy, it's poison <clears throat> yeah, ivy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I think I was maybe, like, hoping it wasn't going to be because, like, I was rooting for Gene the whole time. And I I would have been so disappointed if there was not actually a two-butted goat. Like, yeah. I... If there was all of this and then it was just that one-butted mm-hmm. goat, I would have been like, what What was yeah. the point? There would have had to be some really good, like, alternative payoff, like, yeah. lesson kind of thing. Nope. But fortunately, two-butted yeah. goat. There just really was. Good old double butt. Uh, meanwhile, in the B storyline, uh, Linda and Bob are at the restaurant uh, alone as they get meeting there and also Teddy. Uh <laughs> And, uh, well, though Teddy doesn't show up until a little ways in, after one round of horse, basically. So Bob is, you know, the the restaurant's totally dead, and Bob is, like, you know, crumpling up, like, napkins and stuff and throwing them into the wastebasket. And uh, he's like, oh, come on, Linda. Like, we should totally play this thing. The restaurant's dead. The kids are gone. And she's like, "Uh, I don't know, Bobby. We get a little competitive. Uh, And... He was like, oh, come on, let's play horse. And she's like, okay, yeah, but let's not keep score. And he's like, well, you, you can't play horse without keeping score. It's the point of the game. That is pretty much the game. <laughs> yes. And we come to find out, though, that Linda is, like, a total baller. She's just bomb.com on all fronts. Yeah, she was the fourth grade hoops champion. <laughs> I love that she just tells people that mm-hmm, all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, word about town. Everybody knows about it. Um... And we find out that, like, she and Bob get extremely competitive when they're playing games like this, and she is a lot better than him. Like, she's unstoppable. She is. She's pretty on fire. Mm-hmm. She's her own fire room. Mm-hmm. Like, she just... Yeah. Crushing it. And so then they basically come up with this other game to play, which is uh, napkin darts or narts. Darts. Uh, where basically you like call a target and you have to throw at it. it much much as you do when you're playing pig or horse or any of those basketball games where it's like you make a shot and then somebody has to make the same shot as you if you make it and uh, otherwise they get a letter uh, and that's how they're that's how they're doing narts as well. It's like you get if if I make it and then the person after me misses, then they get an end and so on and so forth. So they were playing horse <clears throat> while the kids were playing goat. Yeah, yep. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, so Narts, uh, Linda is also really good at. Teddy shows up and because uh, be- basically Bob like invents the game because he can't beat Linda at throwing hoops. So he's like, well, let's just throw at targets instead, and maybe this is gonna work out better. And it really does not work out better for him at all. Uh, and then Teddy plays against Linda, and Mort shows up, and basically everyone is in this game to try to take Linda down. And Linda, like, warned Bob. She's like, I don't think we should do this. You know, we can get, like, a little... You can get a little competitive. And it's not pretty. Uh, and and it's not. Like, Bob is rooting for everyone to take down his wife. Yeah. And ultimately, Mike the mailman <laughs> turns out to be pretty good. 
He's the He's only one who can get close to uh, besting Linda. And they come to this agreement that if he wins, they will give him a free burger. And if Linda wins, she'll get free mail. <laughs> Funny, because mail already gets delivered to you for free unless it is a package that you've paid shipping and handling on. <laughs> I love that, though, is because <clears throat> Mike's like, well... Let, let's be honest here. Okay. Like, yeah, I'm doing them a favor yeah. by hanging out here. I mm -hmm. have an actual job. Yep. They're throwing wet napkins at yep. things. Yep. I'll take a break and do that. Exactly. So the game gets really intense. Uh, Linda names one last target, which is going to be the blade of the ceiling fan that has the ketchup on it, which how you get ketchup onto a ceiling fan is a mystery. Total mystery. And, it happens. And basically, like, Bob and Teddy are like, all right. Maybe if we make a fart noise, the two of us together. But I love this too because that's also a perfect yeah. parallel yep. where they want the dual fart and fartney. <clears throat> mm hmm. Yep. Yep. I love it. Yeah. Harmonious farts. So, yep. It's a parallel to uh, to the goat, which was a good thing for Gene because it meant that he had the two-butted goat. But Bob, <laughs> Bob's vision of Linda when he like came to his senses was beautiful. I loved it. It was like something out of a shoujo Linda. anime. Yeah. It was like, it was sparkly and like, it was great. It was so good where Bob basically was like, no, she's my wife and I love her. I'm rooting for her. <laughs> and so he doesn't make the fart noise with Teddy and Linda makes the shot. Boom. I feel like even if he made the fart noise, Linda still mm -hmm. would have made the shot. I agree. I agree. No, I, li I like that ultimately it boiled down to being like, no, I should be proud of how awesome she is. This is the woman I married. And he sees his reflection all distorted in the napkin holder, just like a grumpy old curmudgeon. I know. So he's like, what am I doing? No, this will not stand. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> Teddy is not very happy about it because he really wanted to see Linda go down, but. That's true. Mm -hmm. I love that and here too he's like she's coming between us mm -hmm. she really is he says that every day mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yep yep <laughs> yep but ultimately uh, Bob uh, makes the wise decision and knows whose side he stands on and it is that of his wife it was a very philosophical it was episode. it was there it. was a, there was a lot of uh, a lot Even of their uh, burger, nice life lessons to thine own self be blue yep yeah blue cheeseburger yep Yep. Made me hungry and also like I wanted to have self fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was a very it was a very it was an episode that was full of self fulfillment, I think. Uh yeah, and that's uh, so basically Linda is the best still at all the games and uh and Jean was right. And everyone went home yeah, full of enlightenment yeah. and french fries. So, if, you know, if there's really anything to take away from this episode, it's a couple of teenagers hanging out by a bridge. Very reliable source of information. <laughs> Pretty legit way to, yeah. uh, to get your info. Yeah. Yeah. Any uh, other things you want to cover before we uh, start to wrap things up here? I disagree. I don't think that green scrunchies are out. Oh, yeah. They're totally Yeah, in. I know. That was so funny. Tammy was like, uh, yeah, they are. They're the way I found out that green scrunchies are out. Of course, Jocelyn wears a green scrunchie. <laughs> but it's okay, because Tammy says she likes it. It's like, I know. Yeah. So good. I, I'm, like, still sort of rooting for Tina and Jimmy Jr., just because, like, she's wanted Jimmy oh, Jr. Definitely. for so long. Like, I just want Tina to get what she wants. I want Tina to have an interpretive dance mm -hmm. with Jimmy Jr. I mean, they've already kissed. And I it was know. Like, eh. And he got her a rose for Valentine's Day. Yeah. I want there to be a new student 
who has a perfect bottom. <laughs> <laughs> to distract Tina, Tina from yeah. uh, Jimmy Jr. I like it when the boys fight over Tina. Yeah. Yeah, I would like to see that. I would like to see more more boys fighting over Tina. But I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm the kind of person that it's like, I just, I want the characters that I like to get the things that they want, even if ultimately it ends up not being the right thing for them, because they're going to learn a life lesson. I like that. And they're going to get what they want and realize that's not what they really wanted. But I still think that it might work out between <laughs> Tina and Jimmy Jr. I feel like they they are <clears throat> going to be right. in the future. Yeah, yeah, their paths will cross again. Yeah, even though it would be like a Romeo and Juliet thing because like Jimmy Pesto and his rivalry yeah, with Bob. But those are always kind of the more interesting relationships. <clears throat> their wedding would be phenomenal. Oh yeah, seeing who would get to cater. Yeah, will it be burgers or will it be pasta? Only time will tell if they actually get married, which probably will not be on this show. Uh, <laughs> but I will say, as, as my final thought, I really liked how everything ended for Tina, where basically, like, she thought Jimmy Jr. was going to basically confess his love for her, and then he just was talking to her to inform her that she was standing in goat poop. Uh, and, uh, and she's like, no, but I reached the end of my journey. What am I supposed to do? And Louise comes over to her, and she's like, listen, Tina... Life's a journey. And she's like, uh-huh. Louise's like, that's that's all I've got. I don't have any advice. I'm nine. <laughs> it was great. And then <clears throat> Tina figures it all out. And yeah. then yep. Louise is like, yes, that's exactly what I was saying. Yeah, that's totally what I meant. Yep, 100%. <laughs> yep, yep. And, uh, yep, so Tina has saddled herself in for uh, life's journey. And uh, only the uh, upcoming episodes will tell her uh, where that takes her. And Louise is going to be scraping a lot of napkins off the side of the restaurant. Yeah, because the kids come back and the restaurant's a mess. (laughs) So, as always, the family's got to come back together and put it all back together. Just a little more fulfilled than they were at the beginning of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, we're going to wrap things up here. Elena, where can uh, people find you on the internet? What's going on with you? You can find me on Twitter at Elena Jordan, A-L-A-N-A-J-O-R-D-A-N, and on Instagram at that Elena Jordan girl. And you can find me all over the internet at Emma Fife, which is my name, E-M-M-A-F-Y-F-F-E. For those of you who are listening, that is all Fs, as in Fred, no S's, as in Snake. They tend to sound the same on the phone or when they are recorded into a microphone and transmitted in to your ears. Thank you guys so much for joining us here on the Bob's Burgers After Show. We will be back again next week. Stay tuned for whether it's going to be at 9 or at 10 again, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode. Uh, you know, depending on SNL, we tape at different times. Uh, and yes, so we will see you guys again next week for a brand new episode of Bob's Burgers. Bye! Bye. From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz. See you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.